the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's not our job to determine the response of other people. It's, it's our job to live as if we've been chained. And that's the first thing I want you to get today. We must live our lives as if we've lost our lives. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in those last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days. I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above. And signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness. And the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. And the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, I want you to notice something first. The Holy Spirit of God always gives us boldness. Who is preaching this message? The first message of the Christian church. You remember Pete? It was just a few weeks ago. He couldn't stand up to a little girl. And now before thousands, he's standing up. And he begins to give clarity. What does he say? Why am I saying he's giving clarity? Because he says, hey, listen up. These guys aren't drunk. And if you really look at what he's saying, he's saying it's just 9 o'clock in the morning. They haven't even had their second cup of coffee. They're not drunk. They're fulfilling the Scriptures. And, but in this, we can learn some ways. How do we live to help clarify confusion? Do you think the world is confused? Holy smokes. We lived in confusing times. How do you live to clarify confusion? First, listen carefully and promote careful listening. So Peter begins by saying, hey, all you who gather here, now that you can hear me, now that we've got your, your attention, listen up. Give me your ears. I wonder how the world would be a different place if we all listened a little more. God gave us two ears, just one mouth. We should at least listen twice as much as we talk. He's saying, listen up, listen to those. We don't listen to each other. We talk over one another and past one another. Just turn on the news. Ask God to open your ears, to open your eyes, open your heart, open your mind to what he would have said. Listen, and then tell the truth and promote truth-telling. What if we just lived with the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the... What if you just made a determination this week? I'm just going to live in the truth. I'm just going to live according to the ways and the word of Jesus. 
And Peter stands up and he says, hey, these guys aren't drunk. They're fulfilling the scriptures. That is the truth. And that leads us to the third thing, just stay scripturally grounded. Live your life staying scripturally grounded. Peter quotes three passages. I don't know if he had notes or if he was just doing that from memory. But he quotes from Joel chapter 2, Psalms chapter 16, and Psalm chapter 110. And he's letting them know that what you're experiencing today is taking place in light of the Word of God. If you were asked to clarify confusion in this world, if somebody comes up to you and asks a question they ask, what does this mean? Would you be able to open God's Word and point to Scriptures and verses that describe what's taking place? That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved. That's why Paul would say to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Guess what? We're living in those days. It may not be popular to open God's word and say, what does this say about the confusion of the world? But if you're a Christ follower, learn to listen to the questions that are being asked. Learn to always speak the truth in love, as Scripture says, but then always come back to the word, the Bible. Why is that so important? Because what you say may or may not be true and may or may not have impact. But listen to what the Bible says about itself. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed for the thing which I sent it. Now this is important because it's Scripture that lets us know how to have the most important clarity in life. And that was kind of the big point that Peter made at the end of this passage. Look at verse 21 again. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who? Who? Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. According to Scripture, I believe God desires that everybody know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And according to Scripture, there's no question that anybody who does hear that and then calls upon Jesus as the Lord and as their Savior of their life, they're saved. Why do we use that word saved? What are they saved from? We use it because it's in Scripture. You saw it right there. What are they saved from? They're saved from a life controlled by self. Remember, we're born with us as the boss. We want to call all the shots, make all the decisions. We're saved from that when we say you're the boss. We're also saved from a life of sin. We're bound to sin. The Bible calls a slave to sin. When we accept Christ, we accept what he's done for sin. He defeated sin and death. So we're no longer slave to sin. And we're saved from thinking that this world is all there is. We're saved to the ability to live a fulfilling life. I want to make sure you understand that's what it's all about. That's why we learned the first week, the main thing is to what? You need to know that. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Let me see something else we can learn from this passage. We've got to live to lose our marbles. We've got to live to clarify confusion. But we must live to magnify Jesus. We must live to magnify Jesus. 
So Peter had given us the introduction, and now in 569 words, he preaches the first message, the first sermon that would be the Christian church. And what does he talk about? Jesus. Let me give you a little tip, just in case this is not your church home. If you ever attend a church and the focus is not Jesus, find another church. If you ever listen to a message and the main point of the message doesn't take you back to Jesus, find another church. You can turn anywhere to find some tips for living. You can go to the bookstore and get any number of self-help magazines or books. But Jesus is the only one who can save. That's why we believe that this book is all about Jesus from the beginning to the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. It's all about him. Now, why is that so important? Because Jesus tells us in John chapter 12 and verse 32, when I am lifted up, I'll draw all men and women, boys and girls, to myself. So notice what he says there in verse 22. He starts saying this, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus. Say that with me. Say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David said concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. Uh, by the way, I think he keeps saying this Jesus because Jesus was another name that people had back then. And he just wanted to remind him, I'm talking about the one you all know about, the one that hung on the cross, the, some, the one that some of you walked by and scoffed at. This Jesus, this Jesus God raised up, and we're all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the presence of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Peter stands up to preach the first message, and it's all about Jesus. All he does is tell the story about Jesus. He reminds us that the Old Testament was about Jesus. He reminds us that what we now have as the New Testament is the story of Jesus. And he reminds us that if the church is going to go forward, the church must be built on Jesus. He said there's no one like the man called Jesus. There's no one like the man called Jesus. Jesus empathizes with us. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted. That word tempted, we've learned in church, can mean tempted as in temptations coming from without, or it can mean test as coming from within. But he's experienced it all as we are, and yet he is without sin. He knows what you're going through. He empathizes with us. But Jesus is also an example for us. 
We said this when we were looking at the little babies. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He grew mentally, he grew physically, and he grew spiritually. And guess what? That's the way he wants you to grow. I'm old enough to remember when everybody had a bumper sticker or a t-shirt that said WWJD. The problem is we don't even have to ask what would Jesus do. We can just ask WDJD. What did Jesus do? When we open the scriptures, all we have to do is look and say, how did Jesus respond to these tough situations? How did he walk through these difficult moments of life? He's an example for us. And then Jesus extends God's hand to us. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Jesus came to do what he could only do as a man. That's why someone said the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men might become the sons of God. Jesus gives us what only he could give us. There's nothing like the man called Jesus, but there's nothing like the miracle called Jesus. Peter said, yes, this man from Nazareth was with us, but he did signs and miracles. Now, did you know you could... Look in Jesus' three and a half years of ministry, and you could see there's almost a miracle a month if he would have divided it that way that he did. There's a lot of miracles that Jesus did. But let me remind you today, his birth was miraculous. Isaiah seven fourteen says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a son. It's important we believe that, not just because Scripture says it, because it speaks to the miraculous power of Jesus. His birth was miraculous. His life was miraculous. John 20, verse 30 says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing in his, you may have life in his name. And then, of course, as Peter would say, his death and his resurrection were miraculous. Uh, he, he said in verse 29, Brothers, I, I say this to you with confidence, that the patriarch David has both died and buried. Why did he say that? He said he's died and is buried and is still in his tomb. Why would he say that? Because he's indicating what we've got to understand and hold to. The difference between Christianity and every other world religion is that their founders or their focal leaders are dead and buried. Our Jesus is alive. The greatest miracle that we could ever experience is what we celebrate at Easter. Jesus is alive. 100% God and 100% man. He's a little boy whose hometown was heaven. On his mother's side, he was the son of a carpenter. But on his father's side, he was the son of God. On his mother's side, he faced life with the same trials and the turmoil that you and I face. But on his father's side, he was the prince of peace. 
On his mother's side, he died a ridiculing death with a crown of thorns on his head. But on his father's side, he sits at the right hand of the father as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the infinite God-man, 100% God, 100% man. He's miraculous. There's nothing that compares to the miracles of God, but there's nothing that compares to the message of Jesus. I love verses 25 through 28 in this passage. I'm not going to reread them, but he's quoting David, and David is talking about how Jesus would be one that helps our feet not be shaken. Jesus would be one that makes our heart be glad. Jesus is one that would make our tongue rejoice. Jesus is one that would help us dwell in hope. He gives us help. He gives us hope. He gives us healing. He even gives us happiness. That's the message of Jesus. That's why we make it about Jesus, because Jesus gives us what no one else can give us. Then he says, nothing compares with the majesty of Jesus. He says in verse 33, did you notice it? Verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. If you're a Christ follower, that should draw you to Philippians chapter 2, where the apostle Paul says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why we sing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. That's why we sing majesty, worship his majesty, all glory and honor and praise. Because the Bible says that in all eternity, a big part of what we're going to be doing is just worship and celebrate the reality of King Jesus. I want you to understand something, professing Christ follower. It is not enough that Jesus hold a prominent place in your life. He wants to be preeminent in your life. He wants to be preeminent in your life. But Peter gives us the punchline. Look at verse 36. That all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you've crucified. He reminds us of something that's central to the gospel message. If you've never understood this, you've not understood the gospel message. And here it is. It's not the Romans or the Jews that crucified Jesus on the cross. It's you and me. It's our sins that drove the nails into Jesus' hand. It's our sins that pierced his side. It's our sins that caused him to face that death. But he did so. Of his own will. And in doing so. God makes clear. That he is both. Our Lord. And our Christ. Now I want you to think about what those two words mean. Because he's our Lord. That means he's the boss. He's no lo- you're no longer in control. He's the master. Because he's the Christ. That means he's the Messiah. He's the savior. He's the one that gives you hope. And that leads me to the last thing that I think you need to know from this passage of Scripture. Not only must we live like we've lost our marbles. Not only must we we learn to live in such a way that we clarify the confusion of this world. We must live decisively. The life of the Christ follower must cause others to call into question and examine their lives. 
in light of who Jesus is and what he did and what the scripture said. That's how this message ends. Look at verse 37. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now, let me just tell you, because this probably won't be the last time most of us are in church. That should be our response every time we hear a message from the word of God. If we have listened carefully and God's word has preached, we've already heard God's word doesn't return void. The only response we should have is, what now do I need to do in response to what I've heard? And we never graduate from that. We never get to a place where we say, I don't think God's word has anything for me today. No, we have to say, what shall I do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's where we get this principle that everyone, everyone, say everyone, everyone who repents and follows Christ gets the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not some special club. When any individual comes face to face with the truth of Jesus and surrenders their life to him, they begin a personal relationship. And a part of that personal relationship is that the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. And as David said and Peter preached, and this Paul is telling you today, when he comes into your life, he doesn't treat you like a cheap hotel where he checks in and out. He is there to stay. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He is always present. So what's your decision? Are you living decisively? Because I've lived long enough to know that everybody's following somebody. You're either following Jesus or you're following someone or something. Dallas Willard said, I make my living as a university professor and philosopher. And so I'm frequently asked in so many words, why do you follow Jesus? He said, my answer is always the same. Who else did you have in mind? So you're going to follow someone. I'm asking you today, have you decided to follow Jesus? Do your lives cause others to examine their lives in the light of Christ? When Peter preached the first message of the church, when he lifted up Jesus, it caused, as you'll see next week, it caused the men and women and the boys and girls that were there to repent and to be baptized. And it caused their lives to change. Now, why does this matter? It matters because we're all losing our marbles, truthfully. It's Mother's Day. Did you know that between a child's birth and their high school graduation, they're 936, 936 weeks, 936 marbles in this jar. And every week, as we raise our children, we're losing one of those marbles. That's why as individuals and as a church family, it's important that we train them up in the way that they should go. It's important that we take them by the hand and lead them to the master. Because week by week, we're losing our marbles. And by the time they're nine, we've lost half the marbles. And statistics tell us that when they graduate from high school, 66% of them walk away from the church, many of them from the faith, and they never come back. I believe God wants us to lose our marbles. 
But he wants us to not do that in vain. He wants us to leave a mark. Our legacy as the church, the legacy that began on this day as Peter preached this message, the legacy is not to be famous, it's not to have the biggest building or to be the most well-known, to be recognized when you walk through the streets. The legacy... The legacy is to lose our marbles and leave an impact that makes a difference for eternity. Every one of us has a limited time period in which we can impact our little corner of the world. I'm asking you, make a decision today not to lose your marbles in vain, but to leave a mark. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.